Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your next episode of the podcast series. Today, I welcome to the show the 2019 world champion, Tarek Momin. We've just had a deep dive conversation taking all sorts of roots and rabbit holes, and we both thoroughly enjoyed it. We start off with talking about growing up in the Egyptian squash culture and how his athlete parents helped teach him a lot of discipline very early on and how this paid dividends later in his career. This also lent itself to his perfectionist mindset, which he reflects as both a blessing and a curse. We also explore how he was able to get the balance between getting an engineering degree, passing with highest honors, as well as reaching the top 20 in the world ranking at 22 years old. A pretty incredible feat and one to be admired even if he achieved nothing more in the game. We spend a large part of the show talking about his World Open victory in 2019 and the whole story of how it came together from the year before losing in the final of the same event. Quite a story and Tarek really comes to life and tells it in such a detailed and fantastic way. 
It was a real pleasure sitting and unpacking it all with him, and I think you will really enjoy reliving what he has to say on it all. Tarek also kindly shares his mental tips for some key subjects of high performance, including how he deals with losses in a mentally positive way, what is happening when he feels mentally at his strongest, what his visualization process is and how he relies on it as a big part of his mental training, how he copes with nerves, what starting a match well looks like, what mental state you should be in when trying to close out a match, and finally his final message for how to become mentally strong. A true gentleman and a true asset to the game of squash. Thank you to Tarek, and I'm sure you are going to get as much out of this as we both did. Please enjoy. Tarek moment. welcome to the next episode of the podcast series. I'm really kind of you to join me today. And listen, we've been speaking back and forwards for the last several weeks or so. Um, just a quick check-in. How are you doing? How's life in general? How's uh, how's things treating you? Well, yeah, I've been I've been quite busy the past few weeks. I've been trying to prepare for uh, next year's tournaments. I had a, a six weeks block of training. Four weeks have already are already done. Uh, working on the last two weeks, and hopefully I'll be in a good shape for the next uh, tournament. So I've been keeping busy so far. Fantastic. And listen, you're my last guest of 2022. So we'll, um, we'll hopefully have a really good chat nice. today and kind of leave 2022 <laughs> on, a, on a real high note. Um, but listen, we're going to dive straight in. We're going to talk a lot about the mental side of, of the game and life. And, and you know, you're, you're one of the people I've been wanting to speak to for a while with your past record, with your style of play and some of the, the kind of the last few weeks that we got to know each other on that six-week training course. But um, I think a good place to start. Let's go back to some of the junior days. So a junior squash mm-hmm. player in Egypt and the competitive nature of what goes on there so what memories could you share about this time that you think may have helped mentally technically physically later on in your career so yeah could you unpack that with us oh yeah absolutely I think uh, I think the the thing that made the the difference with me was uh, was how my parents were involved Uh, from from a very young age my parents were like really serious about about my squash career they obviously they didn't know if I was going to take it up as a professional career or no, but as a junior, they were like, they wanted me to be like fully dedicated to whatever I do, whether it's school or uh, or squash. So I was like, I was sort of like a, a young soldier. Uh, okay. I didn't have like uh, so much free time. I didn't, I didn't do a lot of the fun stuff. I, I did have my share, but not as much as other kids my age. Uh, and then uh, <clears throat> yeah, I think what helped me the most was was the discipline that uh, that was set out for me. Like I was, I was, you know, I was going according to plan. My whole life, I was training hard. I was very focused. I was very disciplined. I focused on my studies. I focused on my squash, and uh, so I, I was sort of like a, a very committed guy from from such a young age, which helped me uh, become a disciplined person uh, mm. growing up. That's, that's that's really interesting. That's how I feel. Yeah. And, and again, your early memories, were your folks invested in the game like really early? Are we talking about six, seven years old? No, no, not, not that young. I mean, I started when I was six. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first few years until probably when I was nine, uh, it was it was pretty casual. Like I would go play twice a week or three times a week and I'd have like my fun with the other kids at the club playing other different sports and, and like football and, and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to make sure that I had like a good childhood <laughs> of course. and then uh, and then by the time I was nine I already had friends in the squash community and like I had kids my age who were my friends we used to train a lot 
But the difference was my parents were a bit more strict than than the other kids' parents. Mm-hmm. I, I would spend more court, more more time on court, uh, doing my fitness sessions. I I did a lot of solo solo sessions along with my coaches and and the matches. I mean, I would say it was a it was a bit probably it was a bit too much for a for a nine or a ten year old, but it worked it worked well for me. Yeah, uh, I always I always at the, at the time I felt I was being treated a bit harshly. Uh, I wanted to have more free time, like my 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 friends. Uh, so I wasn't too happy about it, but it paid off eventually. I somehow I feel like this helps you develop a strong mentality uh, towards things. Like you you become more resilient by being by taking responsibility at such a young age. I mm. feel that's um. I want to just unpack that a little bit more because you know maybe. I don't know, in, in Europe and America, you know, there's a bit more of a chilled approach to this, isn't there? It's kind of like yeah. you know, a lot of fun. And then, and, and it's really interesting because you, you can get a lot of dropout. If the parents push too much, you get the dropout, but yes. if the parents push just the, enough and at the right time with the right kind of attitude, yes. it can be a perfect storm, can't it? But I'm, I'm interested to know maybe just for a little bit, some of the more like negative sides for a little bit before we go into the positives. Um, mm. You know, you said there was maybe a bit of resistance from you. Did you have any say mm. in the matter or was it pretty much your, like it was your parents were telling you that this is how it's happening? It's it's hard to have a say in matters when you're 10 years old, of course, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was, I was struggling and I was kind of like, I, I, I'm the kind of person who, who buckles things in. Like okay. I don't really... I mean, I, I wouldn't say, no, I'm not going to do this. I, I always do what I'm told. Interesting. Or that's, that's, that's what I used to, to be like when I was younger. I used to do what I was told, even though I wasn't happy about it. I was still like, uh, that's the only thing I knew I need to, I need to do what my parents told me to do. Mm. And, and I have to be fair, like it wasn't, it wasn't this bad. Like I, I did have like, like a day off and, and like a half, like, Thursday night and Fridays, I had this time every week to to like mm-hmm. go out with my friends and and do something fun. It wasn't like a full on. It wasn't a camp. Like of course, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty four seven. Maybe at the beginning it was a bit tough uh, going through this transition, but then when I got used to this pattern, it became it became what I'm accustomed to. Mm. So so there wasn't resistance anymore from my part because that's. Okay, that's the routine I'm I'm used I'm used to right now. So yeah. it was it was perfectly fine for me. Mm. Yeah, you got you got that discipline training, that 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 mental attitude, that that you know that real commitment to your to your task. You know, you're honing your craft again and again. But I'm interested mm-hmm. to know, and I'm not sure if you've had this conversation with your parents, why they became so keen at a certain. Were they squash players themselves, or they saw the potential in you, and and they saw what squash could offer you as a life? Why do you think they mm-hmm. really got behind it to push you that hard? Uh, well, yeah, m- both of my parents were athletes. Uh, my father was a was a football player. Uh, he played uh, in the Egyptian Premier League, which is obviously not as great as uh, as as the the leagues you guys have in Europe. But he played at a very decent level. My mom was actually a, was was a very good tennis player herself. Uh, she she competed at a, at a at a high level in Egypt and she played the Wimbledon juniors twice so oh, wow she she yeah 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 she she was an athlete and I think the the reason why they chose squash I think she had a say in it it was closer to her sport but <laughs> but had more potential because at the time we started to hear 
about uh, Ahmad Barada, who mm-hmm. who break uh, he broke into. Uh, I think he won the world champs as a junior in 1994. It was around the time when I started. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people were interested in squash, knowing that there is potential in in achieving success. Uh, I'm not sure if they had like if they were thinking big picture like that. They just mm-hmm. wanted me to play sports, and. I feel as as people, as individuals, they're, they're the sort of parents who would want the kids to do, you know, everything, sure. you know, to their to their best ability. Especially my mom. My mom is a bit of a perfect perfectionist, and and she was uh, she was on it, you know, like Amazing. everything has to go. Uh, according to plan so yeah yeah it's it's interesting um why <laughs> she maybe didn't get you to play tennis rather than squash like like what what happened there do you think well i i asked i did ask that question <laughs> and uh, she was like oh, i'm not happy with the community and uh, okay. i feel squashed i mean it's uh, probably a smaller community it could be better mm-hmm. turns out they're all the same <laughs> you have the good and the bad in every community so hundred percent I'm glad I'm glad she chose squash though yeah of course and and listen yeah. you know you you you're indoctrinated in squash you know Raneem had an amazing podcast with previously your young son Shahir so my follow-up question is you as <laughs> two world champions <laughs> world champion parents um yeah. knowing kind of the success that the pushing of your parents gave you and maybe Raneem also mm. how do you think you're going to approach parenthood now <laughs> knowing what you know <sighs> I'm, I'm, to be honest, we're very confused about so many things. First, whether we want him to pursue the same career or no. Um, we obviously would love to give him the chance to do whatever he wants. I honestly don't think I'll, I'll, I'll do the same thing as my parents. Uh, my approach will probably be different because mm-hmm. uh, despite what they did to me, helped me a lot. Uh, I felt there are things, you know, there are costs that that you you pay eventually and i felt like i needed to like there were things that could have been taken a bit easier and would have made life a lot easier than uh, Mm -hmm. uh, than how it it happened i i I have no regrets and i i'm i'm quite happy with how things turned out for me but then i need i try to learn from my parents experience and, and try to make it better from my own perspective and I feel like we, I won't be as pushy. I try to teach my son uh, to be disciplined and take responsibility, but not like not everything needs to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like there is room, there is room for error. There is room for mistakes. And I feel this way, it it helps with the creativity. Like it gives you room to be creative, uh, as opposed to maybe if you're being told to do this and that, and there is. Sometimes creativity can be mistaken as sloppiness or irresponsibility, and 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 that could kill a part inside of you that would that might be useful to you on the long run. So mm. I'd love to uh, to give my kids the room to to grow in all aspects. Yeah, and, and I Ranim is the same. I think we both share the same views. Mm. I've really well said a really balanced uh, kind of argument you put across there and uh, you know you've said perfectionism a few times which I think is is Mm. quite an interesting (laughs) conversation this might link to the next part I want to ask you and I think this is all wrapped up in you know perfectionism with how you play the game of squash as we know squash is a little bit of chaos as well there's a lot going on and if you're trying to be too perfectionist you get in the way that might not link in just yet but I'm interested to know like obviously moving forward a little bit um how are you able to balance studying for your engineering degree 
plus playing high levels of squash simultaneously. It sounds like you did this, well, you, not sounds like you did this very, very well. You got to a really high world ranking. You got an engineering degree, which is is no no easy thing to do. Um, yeah. The discipline your folks gave you early on, maybe the bit of perfectionism coming in there. Mm. Can you unpack that with us? What, 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 how did you strike that balance? Oh, absolutely. It, it, it has everything to do with how I was raised. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, my mom was probably more involved my dad was involved as well but my mom was really involved in my studying and my my on my squash career she, like she would spend the most hours with me during practice and she used to study uh, like st- study for me the the when i was younger i think mm-hmm. she eventually let me do my thing when i was in middle school okay uh, and then from it's because those first few years you you get to to learn how to do things the way your parents teach you by the time i grew up i started to do the same things for myself and i became sort of a perfectionist myself which is not easy i have to say i mean it, it might get good results but it's not easy when when you have to do everything uh, the way you think is perfect and and obviously achieving perfection is never attainable mm-hmm. so you're always unhappy in a way, being unhappy and unsatisfied about what you're doing gets you to improve yourself all the time, which is a good thing. But at the same time, it's good to feel, you know, satisfied every now and then that you've achieved something. And, and when you're a perfectionist, those moments are not as much as maybe someone else who just leads a normal uh, kind of life or approach yeah. towards things. Mm. Uh, and, and just, just so, getting yeah. into a little bit more detail there with perfectionism. I want to kind of explore with you maybe perfectionism like in the moment of a match. So I'm zooming right in now to mm-hmm. a match. And uh, does perfectionism come into your 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 mindset when you're playing? And if it does, how do you let go of that if it's not going quite perfect? How do you accept that this is good enough today and actually good enough might still win me the match. Perfect might actually mm-hmm. not win me the match because I'm getting in my own way. I, does that make sense what I'm asking? It does. It does. And uh, I, I, I'd like, yeah, I mean, i I have to say I'm very lucky, very, very lucky that somehow this doesn't affect me as much in in, in matches as when it doesn't in, in, in practice. Mm, okay. In practice, if you watch me, that's when it really hits uh, the nerve because I have like almost zero tolerance for mistakes when I'm wow. training. Okay. I, I get so angry, so frustrated. You see my rackets being thrown all over the court <laughs> because I'm 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 not happy that I hit one drive that hit the sidewalk. It's mm-hmm. it's insane. But somehow, uh, because I believe in matches, there are other factors involved, including the nerves. I think the nerves being the major factor, because I'm I'm quite nervous and anxious about about you know winning. It takes my mind off of you know having to hit everything right. And mm-hmm. I sort of look at the bigger picture. I start to think of the game plan and how I want to move my opponent around or like how I want to, you know, pin him to the back, for example. So if I don't get the drive right, it's it's no big deal because I'm more concerned about, you know, the end result. Mm-hmm. And that gets me eventually to to focus more on, on getting the, uh, the better quality in general and not the, like the every shot the perfect yeah. way. I see. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I mean, the Egyptian players would would be the best uh, to tell you this. They, they're like they're always amazed at how 
I'm relatively calm, you know, in matches. Like, I mean, some, sometimes people would think that I'm not that calm in matches, but if you see me in practice, you would know that there's a huge, <laughs> you come a down. huge difference between <laughs> the person who plays tournament matches and the person who's, uh, who plays in practice. That's so interesting. So, uh, and, and what I'm just saying yeah. there, obviously a match, there's, you said it really well, there's, there's obviously more variables in a match, whereas the training is a clo- quite a closed environment. If you're doing solo drives or being yeah. fed, and maybe you're putting, again, good pressure on yourself to go, well, it's a closed environment. I've got one job. I've got one job to hit the ball to that part of the court. That's my only job mm-hmm. right now. Yes. And if you don't get it quite right, that's when you maybe come down on yourself and become quite hard on yourself. Yes. And so I'm interested to know how that perfectionism in training is both a positive and a negative. So, you know, obviously the positive, I think we might've touched on where it keeps you, it keeps you driven and you're striving for perfection, which is, which is great for an athlete, but the negative side of do sessions just unravel and, and and go into nothingness at certain times. So could you help the kind of positives and negatives of that during training? Well, yes. Would you like me to start with the negatives or the positives? (laughs) Which one comes to mind first? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, obviously the positives are, uh, as you said, I, I'm I'm always looking to get better. Uh, I'm never satisfied with what I have, and I always want to improve. Uh, I do it the hard way. I mean, there is obviously an easier way to do it, but my way works eventually because if you're always unsatisfied with what you have, you're always trying to find solutions to get better. Mm-hmm. So this is the positive side of it. The negative side, obviously, is, is also, as you said, the, there are so many training sessions that, you know, I just, I flip out and, and I'm unable to focus and, and, and get to, uh, to, where I, to where I want or get the most out of, uh, of, out of the session. Uh, and even my coaches, like they know me too well. Sometimes they know that if, if today is the day where I'm really unhappy with my quality, then maybe they were planning on working on something. They change their mind and think, oh, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen today. So it might take me longer. To, to, to work on things because I'm, I'm just too focused on getting everything right as opposed mm-hmm. to just let the, let the, 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 the drill flow. Sometimes yeah. you just need to let it flow. Okay, hit some, make mistakes. You're changing things so you're not expected to, to, to hit everything right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I know that deep down, like when I'm training, sometimes I know it deep down, but there are days where I feel like I'm a bit triggered enough that, even though I know I shouldn't be making, uh, like, uh, it's okay to make those mistakes, I do not accept them. I see. And I, I, I start to focus on getting the shot right instead of getting the movement right, for example, which mm. is more important. Mm. And by doing that, I delay the process a little bit. There we go. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is, it's sort of like, a, th- those are the, the goods and the, exactly, the good sides yeah. and the bad sides. Of and do you think, think it's, yeah. Has it has it changed? It be becoming mature? Are you are you getting more perfectionist, or actually were you worse when you're younger? Do you know? Has there been a change, or has it been quite constant? The well, whole I <laughs> it's hard to answer that question. I, I I definitely say I was worse when I was younger. Okay. Uh, as I grew older, I it it got better, but then there were times. It also depends on on my general mood. Like if if I'm in a good patch. I'm playing well, like in a good part of the season where everything's going well. I'm I'm more, you know, calm and uh, much more relaxed and able to absorb what's being said to me and 
and I have more tolerance for mistakes mm-hmm. as opposed to some phases where, uh, you know, things are not really going my way and I'm trying to get better and it's not happening. That's when I get irritated. and I probably go back to my perfectionist ways mm. and, uh, and make it hard for my coaches. So <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm much better. Like overall, I'm definitely better than I was younger, but there are days where I still, you know, fall into this trap. Mm. Oh, well, no, thanks for exploring that idea because it, it comes in a lot of the work I'm doing with some of the players, that whole perfectionist mindset. It's it's a very common theme that keeps coming up. So I wanted to kind of explore that with you. Um, but I'm just going to go back half a step uh, because I think I did mention, I want to kind of, I know a lot of players listening to this are obviously studying or going to college that balance between your your engineering degree and high levels of squash how did you how did you get the best out of yourself in both areas how did you manage that um listen i i i totally believe it can be done and uh, and there are ways to do it uh there is the hard way and there is the easy way there is the moderate way um i unfortunately took it to the extreme because of my perfectionism uh, not only did I want to uh, do well in squash, I also wanted to get, you know, straight A's in, in every course I was, I was studying, which is, you know, it, like now that I think about it, I don't think I should have pushed myself that hard, uh, like in, in both departments. Uh, but it is what it is, and I don't regret it. I mean, I do regret it a little bit, but it's okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I made, it, I made it quite hard for myself. But I did it in the most, you know, extravagant way. So I feel if I could, if I could do it this way, then it can be, it can definitely be done uh, with everyone. Yeah. Uh, I, I basically decided to cut down on, on tournaments a little bit. Like I, I would play more tournaments in the in the breaks between mm-hmm. semesters or in the summer break. Uh, and for the PSA, I, I think I, I play like seven tournaments or eight tournaments maximum a year. Uh, and I try to stay away from the finals both semesters. Right. And then I'd use the first block, like the first part of the semester, the fall semester and the, and the, and the spring semester to like probably train harder and focus more on my squash because there isn't a lot of material to be covered yet mm-hmm. at university. Uh, and then once I hit the mid stage, I start to focus my shift away from squash and more towards my studying. Uh, I, I I found this formula to work quite well for me. It was hard, but uh, but it worked very well because then I I give squash the the attention it needed at the time. And then when I'm not when I'm not going to be playing any tournaments sure. for a while, it's it it would make sense for me to focus more on my studying and. Uh, and uh, like my courses and exams and all mm. uh, and obviously not traveling a lot helped me with my studies because then I wouldn't be missing too many lectures and I didn't want to miss too much I'd, I'd probably miss just one week per semester wow that's uh, incredible yeah mm. yeah that, that was the most of it mm. uh, so it sounds and, like to uh, me you were yeah. you're very good at at compartmentalizing going right like like yes. the the big spotlight is on that one area actually once mm-hmm. that started to then we we go shift to that area maybe if you try to do kind of less but all of it that wouldn't have kind of worked out too well knowing Probably. your personality style as well and and just for like mm-hmm. timelines and and ages so 
what age were you studying? So, so what, what age did you finish your studying and what were you ranked on the PSA at that kind of at that crossroads when your studying had finished and your PSA ranking? Yeah, well, I, I graduated when I was uh, 22. I was 22 years old mm-hmm. and I had already broken into the top 20 in my last uh, my last semester. Uh, I don't know how it happened, to be honest. That's was, incredible. Was, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I was, although I was I was improving in general, I was very inconsistent. Uh, like I, I remember like I would, the first couple of years, I had some really bad losses uh, against players who, I mean, who were way below me in the rankings. Uh, but then I would, like a month in, I would go for a tournament and like beat a top 10 player. Mm-hmm. And then the next tournament, I lose to uh, like a, a top 90 or 95 player. You know, mm-hmm. I was very inconsistent. But I probably, I, I guess towards the end, uh, last year and a half, maybe I, I may have had more time uh, to spend on court and, and 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 really focus on my on my squash, probably because it was the graduation project year and uh, and although I was spending more time doing the project, maybe there were there was less there were less courses for me to take and I had probably a bit more time uh, to to train, which helped me you know go up a little bit in the rankings. Uh, and then yes, eventually I I got into the top twenty, but then. <laughs> the funny part is, as soon as I graduated, I dropped massively. Oh, wow! Like, okay. Yeah, and I, I think I dropped to like thirty six or thirty seven from <laughs> top twenty. Uh, and it was it was mainly because I, I mean, being all of a sudden free, and uh, and and at the same time I was a bit confused because I graduated with uh, with highest honors, and I was thinking. Maybe I'm I'm really good at this. I sh- maybe I should be taking up a career in engineering instead of playing squash. And as soon as this confusion, you know, gets to your mm. head, it, you you're lost. Yeah. You know, so I was training, but my mind was all over the place. And uh, I started. I I remember. I think I lost seven first round matches back to back. Like I, no way. I mean, it, I think yeah. It, it took me like six months to win one match. That's it was, ridiculous. It was crazy. That's... It was so frustrating. <laughs> Man. And it was the time when I had the least amount of you know studying to do. So yeah. I was like, what the hell? That's crazy. Wow. Interesting to know like yeah. how the mindset would have worked there. But yeah, like frustration, yeah. confusion is all coming into it, isn't it? Yeah, it was it was it was quite hard. I remember <laughs> it was like at least six months I did not win a single match. And then I I eventually had to, you know, sit down with myself and and like set a plan for myself and I I decided okay I will play for one year and I need to achieve a certain ranking if I do then I'll keep playing if not then I'll you know I'll I'll switch I'll I'll retire and do something else okay and And what was that ranking what what number can you remember I I I don't even remember I can't remember like at the time I was just I I looked at the rankings I I I looked I probably uh, thought about you know the tournaments how I should be achieved like how far should I be going at least in tournaments and I probably decided to go back to at least my top 20 top 15 sure. level uh, and then I think eventually I managed to do that I I managed to break into the top 20 in the in the set time limit mm-hmm. 
So I gave myself another year and then and so on. And Brilliant. by the time I got into the top 20, I, I knew I was okay. No, nice. It's, uh, well, it's going well. Yeah. Well, that that's that's a perfect kind of link now to where I want to take us next in this conversation because it obviously worked out pretty damn well becoming a world champion, right? So let's uh, let's put that on the table. So that World Open title that you won, um, I'd like to discuss that that kind of that week with you. I think there was there was something about the story of the year before as well, which is kind of interesting. Mm. So, what memories do you have of this week? What um what can you share with with us and and unpack the story with that World Open win? Yeah, it was uh, it was a crazy week. Because it was very painful up until the moment I won. Because <laughs> I was so desperate, uh, I was really desperate. I, I, I mean, I worked. I put all my eggs in one basket. You know, okay. I mean, I worked so hard to win this tournament in particular. Uh, and um, I remember, I mean, I remember when I first. I mean, I have to go back a little yeah. bit. Do you want to go back week, to maybe, yeah, exactly to the one before, to the world champs that was uh, before where I made the final. Uh, that one was the was the one that I worked so hard for, and uh, I, you know, I, I I was starting to play really well. I was playing good squash. I was pushing all the top guys, and I made I probably I made it to the top three myself. So I was number three, and. Uh, and I was pushing Ali and Mohammed, both of them. I had wins against both of them. And I knew I was there. Like I knew I had my chances to win a major. It was not happening. You know, it like it happened a few times where I beat Ali in the semis of a tournament and then lose to Mohammed in the final. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then like the, the tournament after I would lose to I would I would beat Mohammed and then lose to Ali in the final. So I was like, I knew I was there, but I wasn't getting it right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so I shifted all my focus to the world chance. I was like, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm not make, if I'm not winning the finals or I'm losing in the semi sometimes, but I need to get it right at the world chance. And I based my training accordingly. And uh, you know, February came. We came, we went to Chicago, and I had I had a very tough draw. I remember, uh, like I had to start early on. I think I played Todd Harity and Tom Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sorry, Tarek, I'm just gonna. Then, is this the is this the world title that you? It's the one in. It's the one I lost in the final. Okay, it's the one I lost just, in the just final. Just for timelines, carry on. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was the one that I, I. I mean, I I really worked hard for, and I was set, and I had complete belief in myself that I was gonna win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I played Tom Richards. I can't remember if I played Todd Harity or no, but then I had Abul Ghar in the last sixteen. Mm. Uh, and he played the best match of his career at the time, probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I could not believe how well he played, and I just kept fighting and fighting and fighting, and and I think we went to a point where he was two one up and and maybe a match ball a tie break in the fourth. I mean, I think I may have saved a match ball in the in the fourth, uh, and then I went on and I won the fifth. And that was only the last sixteen. Wow. And I, I mean, I had my eyes set on the on the on the title, you know. So it was it was tough. Then I had to go through Marwan, Mohammed, and then Ali. So it was it was a crazy draw. That's incredible. I, I managed to beat Marwan three love, and then I went on to play Mohammed in the semis, and I hadn't beaten him in a long time, in a very long time actually. Uh, so. Uh, I can't remember why, because I I thought I'd been I probably have been beating Ali, but okay. losing to Mohammed a lot. So uh, 
and then and then I'd lose to Ali and and then Muhammad mm. would lose to someone so you know it was always very tricky I always had chances but never managed to convert but for for me to beat Muhammad it was the first time for me to beat Muhammad in six years wow. at the world champs and I had the belief in myself that I was going to win even though I hadn't beaten him in a very long time where did that belief uh, come from? Because that that that's a that's a common thing that that players is like we can only was, get the belief uh, until we get the win. But you got the belief before the win. You know, I I I, I was thinking outside of the box a little bit. I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, karma. You know, you know, I was I was due something big. Okay. You know, I I, nice. I believe that I've been working so hard for so many years, and things have been starting to look really good for me this year, and I was due a big win, and I felt like the universe will treat me well in this tournament that's that's that. how i that's how i i saw it and and it was crazy because it did happen and when i beat muhammad i had no doubt that i was going to win the next day like i i i mean i was so excited i i i recovered and then i went back i was i couldn't sleep for a little while because i was too excited i was thinking it was going to happen tomorrow is going to be my day I am tired. I'm exhausted. I beat Mohammed in like 90 minutes, but mm. I will recover and I'll do it. Uh, and then we went on. We played the match. I started the match with Ali. He, he he started. He was on fire the first game. He beat me, I think, 11-3 or 11-4. And uh, I was like, no, I'm not going to give up. This is the final of the world champs. I, I believe I'm going to do well. I'm going to, to turn it around. And I won a very tight second game. And I was feeling it. I was getting tired because it, it was a very tough week for me. But then I was like, I'm not going to give up. Mm. At that Third point, game, you just got to go. Yeah. I kept going. You know, I kept pushing hard, pushing hard. And then all of a sudden, I found myself in the third game in a position where I could actually win it. We were very close. And I think we got to like 9 all, and then 10 all, and then 11 all, <laughs> And like one all and 11 all. it's... I mean, it's a flip, and I could see Ali started to get tired as well, and I could see it. I could, I believed it was going to happen, and then I had a, a, a bad judgment on one shot. I think I asked for a let that was clearly no let, and I could have played it, and then and then Ali won the second one, and in a second, I found myself mm. two one down, and drained, exhausted. Right. So I, I was I was a bit shocked, and then. I, I thought, okay, maybe it, it, I'll shake it off. I'll, I'll push hard. I'll, I'll keep fighting. And then three points into the fourth game, it was over. I, was I, I had nothing, nothing left in the tank. I was trying to push. My legs were not helping me. Nothing was, was working. And Ali was just flying. And he had a very, like, he, he dispatched all of his opponents throughout the week much easier than I sure. did. So he, he was, like, a lot fresher than I was. Mm. And... The second I lost that match, I was in shock, like because I had so much belief yeah. that this was going to be my time. And then when I lost it, I was like, "What? What just happened? Like how?" And it took me, it took me like one or two hours of okay. I'm just I couldn't talk to anyone. I'm I'm trying to think how to process this, <laughs> uh, but somehow, exactly one or two hours after, I was already set on the next one. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't, you weren't, you weren't dwelling, you weren't ruminating, you weren't, you know, no, taking two weeks no. to get over this. Yeah. No, usually that's what I would do. Okay. I mean, normally that I, that's what I would do. I've done it so many times before. I would just get 
so frustrated and 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 just completely break down and and just couldn't get out of bed for like a week mm-hmm. for some reason that time i i mean i saw what i did the whole week and i was like and it wasn't just the next one i was thinking why am i not winning every major not just one because if if i could beat all those guys and almost push ali in the final why am i not doing it every tournament yep. i was thinking i actually need to get to world number one and win the next one in qatar wow that's positive thinking and, and from there i right? was like Yeah, I was surprised with my reaction to be honest because I hardly ever I, I hardly ever did that until this until this day. Hmm. And I think this was the turning point and I remember very well I went to uh, uh I went to Canary Wharf a week after and I beat Mohammed again. Like I hadn't beaten him in six weeks and I beat him again. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately I had a, I had a, like a, a stomach incident and I couldn't play well in the final, but it wasn't, it wasn't the issue. I just, I knew I could back it up. Mm. So and, the belief uh, was made, still uh, rolling. Mm. Yes. I made three finals that month. Amazing. I, Amazing. Yeah. And, and then it, it just kept getting better. We had the... So going back to the to the next world champs, I had a good uh, a good summer training. I I worked hard. Now I could see it. I had my my goals set. Okay, the last one I barely missed. This one is mine. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, I I worked. You know, I was working hard. Uh, I and, I and just crazy. on that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. because because that that's a really interesting part for motivation that you had such a vision of of obviously the future and goal setting going that's where i'm going yeah. was it almost like a daily process you were telling yourself like yeah. like how like yeah it was literally just every time you were going through a hard session i'm going to be the world champion is that how I, the kind of I, went i would i would picture the speech the trophy presentation everything i was doing it probably on a daily basis like every solo session i would go i would think about it it was like an obsession that i want to win this title so bad i think because it was something i've always wanted to win as a young kid and then when i was growing up at the beginning of my psa career and like in the middle when things were hard i kind of felt that it was never going to happen to me mm-hmm. and then the, there was a patch between when i was 25 years old until i became 30 years old I was staying in the you know in the same ranking bracket and I wasn't breaking through as mm-hmm. as I would have wanted so I kind of lost hope and then after I turned 30 something clicked and okay. I started playing really well 
So I got my hope back. And when I did, I was like super hungry. Okay, now is the time. So I was like on, on a mission. I, I need to get it done. I need to get this uh, title. Uh, so yeah, I, I trained so hard in the summer. Every day I was just thinking about that that tournament and, and how, how I'm going to get the, that win somehow. <laughs> uh, and, and thankfully the training went very well. There were no injuries, nothing. Everything was going the way I wanted. I went, I started the season in San Francisco. I had a tough tournament. Uh, I made the final and then I had the tough, tough five-setter with Mohamed. He won eventually, but it was a very tough feat too. And for the first tournament of the season, it was uh, it was great for me because I always start the season poorly. Mm-hmm. Every every mm-hmm. season I played before that, I had like very bad results at the okay. beginning. So this was the first time I started well and, uh, and it, it gave me hope that I was going to do uh, well. And then I, the next day after that final, I woke up with severe pain in my, in my left heel. It turns out to be plantar fasciitis. And, uh, and little did I know that it was going to stay with me for months and months yeah. and months. And wow. it just, it, 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 it bothered me. It affected everything from, from that point on, I could not train or play without painkillers. And I had to regulate things. So I had to give priority to tournament matches to take the painkillers. So I couldn't be taking them every day. And Jeez. my training got really affected. So uh, so I went on. I remember I played the US Open. I made the semis. And then I could not warm up for my semis match because of the pain. And I was, I was going to... Uh, yeah, I was going to shake hands. And then... Uh, and then eventually, somehow, I, I just pushed through, but I couldn't play my best, and mm-hmm. I lost, which was fine. Then we played the Egyptian Open. Uh, the Egyptian Open was three weeks before the World Champs. It was the last event before the World Champs. I had Joel Macon first round, and I <laughs> lost. And uh, and what a way, like, I mean, it was my first first round loss in, in like, two years or three years. Like, it was, it, it was a long time since I'd lost early in a tournament and to do it right before the world champs, it was like confidence yeah, killer. Of course. So <laughs> I, I can't tell you how, how terrible those three weeks were until, until I flew to Doha. Uh, I, I decided to, uh, to start taking the painkillers to at least give myself a chance to, uh, to do well. So I was on a course of painkillers for a whole month. Uh, I started to train, but I was very, very, very depressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say your mental and, state at this point can't be. Very it was positive. so bad. Mm. Yeah, it was. It was so bad. Like my coaches, Ranim, my coach Haitham, my fitness coach, they were all like trying so hard to 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 lift my spirits up. It, it was a it was a tough time, but we somehow made it. I mean, by the time I flew to Doha, I was like, okay, I'm thinking. Let's take this one match at a time and not overthink it. Mm-hmm. But I, I gotta tell you, every night there, I was I was like so anxious. I couldn't sleep well. I uh, I I couldn't talk to people throughout the day. I even to my team. I was I was like I I didn't want to talk to anyone. Really? I was I was very scared, so afraid because I put everything on the line. You know, it's not the right thing to do. I like I realize that now. I mean, it wasn't right. I think to do I was just so desperate to win to the mm-hmm. point that I could see 
nothing else other than that. If 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 that doesn't happen, then I don't want to face wash anymore. It was this bad. Wow. And uh, yeah, and then it showed. Like in the first the first few days, I was very inconsistent uh, because I was scared. I I think I played the Rafi Kandra on the first mm-hmm. day, and I I was so scared when we were playing, and 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 he he made it tough for me, and I managed. I think. I think the first two games went to tie break and I managed to sneak one of them. I could have gone two lockdown, but mm. I I snuck one of them, then eventually got the win. Uh, the next day I played Mezin Hisham. I played quite well that day. And I won I got a three love win. And then the disaster that was Abdullah Tamimi's match in the last oh, sixteen. Yes, wow. <laughs> that was home I mean, home great yeah, home was, player and everything. Yes, he, he was playing so well. Uh, he was flying all over the court. We had already played at the U.S. Open mm-hmm. like a few weeks before, and and he pushed me to five. And I was thinking he played so well that day that it's it's highly unlikely he would be able to repeat such performance again. Mm. Little did I know he, yeah. he played even better because uh, I mean this court is like no one plays as good as he does over there. He loves it, he yeah. Can, I mean, obviously, he beat he beat Paul Cole this year. I mean, he's always mm. had like uh, crazy matches and crazy wins over there. Yeah. So, long story short, he was two one and six two up in the fourth, and I could see myself, you know, getting on the plane back home and probably not playing squash again. Like that. that Seriously, like, it was that dark. The thoughts when when he was going. He was playing so well. I had no answer to what he was doing. And I was like, okay, I'm I'm not good enough. I mean, it's not gonna happen to me. Um, wow. Or it's not gonna happen for me. You know, winning the the World Open title. So I was like, four two five two six two. Those thoughts were you know up like taking over. And then at six two, I I got angry at myself and I was like, if you're gonna lose, this is not the way to lose. At least fight for every point. I mean, I, I decided to not play good squash, just to retrieve everything and, and, and fight for every point and just be aggressive. You know, I was I was trying to be as aggressive as possible and maybe maybe use my status as the world n- number three to intimidate him somehow that I'm okay. making a comeback. I, I, I was so desperate. I was like, I'm not going to let this go this way. And it, it worked. I don't know what what made it work but it just it worked i came back fascinating uh, Mm. i snuck it yeah it was like 11 9 i was i was on edge but i managed to make it and then in the fifth he broke down i i pushed hard in the first few points and he broke down i had a massive lead and i won 11 3 or 11 4 and after i was packing packing my bags in my head i all of a sudden i found myself in the quarter in the quarters and and now the dream is back, you know. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, did did the belief start kicking in at that point again, it, or not? It did. Okay. No, it did. It did. I felt rejuvenated, but the problem was I had a very tough draw as well. Yeah. I had Diego in the quarters uh, to play Simon in the semis and to play the winner of Mohammed or Marwan or Cole. Uh, so I had to focus on Diego first. And I had a, I had a day off after Abdullah, which was great because it was a tough one. Mm. And then I I played so well, so well against Diego. I mean, he obviously he probably didn't play his best, but I I mean I was so sharp. Uh, 
because of the the traumatic experience that I yeah. had the day before. Sure. Uh, and I I want to be loved. Uh, so this then I became you know anxious slash excited because it was so close now. I'm in the semis, you know, and I'm thinking. And I've already played Simon a few times and I had wins against him in all four or five previous meetings. Mm-hmm. So I was like thinking, okay, it's, 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 I, it's I need to push. I, I can do it. Mm. Who, did, who then, did Simon beat to get on the way? He must have knocked someone out. Well, he, I think he, he, he knocked Joel Macon. Okay. And, and then this block, we had Gawad. He lost to James. Right. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure if Simon beat James or I think okay. Simon beat James and Joel. To okay. Get to this okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I <laughs> I went on. I played Simon. And of course, Simon had to play the best match of his year <laughs> that day. <laughs> so he went one love and six two up. No way. I was like, not again. Not again. I was like, and I remember it very well at six two. He had a, a sitter to close it out and, and like get a 7-2 lead and he hit the thin hmm. and this thin got me back into the match. That one shot. And when w- That one mistake he hmm. made, I decided to do the exact same thing as I did with Abdullah, but I was very nervous that day when Simon was playing this well. Hmm. I, I got really anxious again and I wasn't playing my best because of the, because of, I was so nervous. But then at 3-6, when I pushed hard and I managed to win that game, I... Uh, I started to like take control a little bit. The third game was tough, but but I I I managed to sneak it, and then the fourth I could feel he got tired, and I I had like an, a good advantage, and then I closed it out three one, hmm. and uh, <laughs> and that how, was how's it. Body, how's I mean, the body at this point now? Because like that must be. How, how's, I, how, I think adrenaline. Oh. No, adrenaline was like rushing all over. I could hmm. not feel fatigue or anything i was just thinking like my god i'm playing another final in yes. eight months like i'm i i was in i was in the final eight months ago and i was shattered for like an hour or two mm. and what i dreamed of happened again hmm. so i was so excited that night and so scared at the same time <laughs> no, i mean, I, mm. I mean it, it was it was so difficult for me the whole day i was so scared and uh, and I had Paul. Paul had a tough uh, route to the final as well. Uh, so we both were kind of drained, which was a good thing for me because last time Ali was super fresh. Mm. Uh, this time I knew at least we were like, there is a bit of a balance, but obviously Paul is so fit. So I had that in mind that he, he, he'll probably recover, uh, mm-hmm. recover well and everything will be, uh, will be in order. But I was, you know, I was like, okay, this is one match. I'm not really that tired. I did not think I was super fatigued. I felt, and I'm in Qatar. The people are behind me. You know, the, yeah. there are so many Egyptians. They would come and cheer me on. It, it was going to be, hopefully, it was going to be a good day. Um, and again, the belief that, you know, the universe has to treat me well, <laughs> got me through it. Uh, when I started that match in the first game, it was very close. We went point by point until the very end, like I think 9-all, 9-8 or 9-all. And uh, and I played those last two points so well. I remember it very well. And I thought those two points were the deal breaker. That really? Day. Okay. 
yeah, I, I played them so well. And uh, and when I managed to close that first game out with the crowd behind me and everything, I felt, okay, no, this is a good day. Today is going to be a good day. Uh, and then halfway through the second, I started to notice that Paul wasn't moving as well as uh, as he was. And I wasn't sure what happened. I, I wasn't sure if he like hurt himself because there were points he would move really well and then there are other mm. points he wouldn't move at. Like, I remember watching. Moving. Mm. Yeah, so I was like confused, but I had to focus on what I was doing and, and like my short game was on point that day. Everything I threw at the front was going in the, in the right spot. So I felt like, you know, the universe, you know, is like finally <laughs> giving me what I it's want. It's there, yeah. After yeah. All, like, well, going through the hard way as well, by the way, like the year yeah. before there, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was going through all the emotions while playing that match because it's 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 so hard to dream about a day because in training I would dream of the match how how it will be whether it's going to be super easy or super tough or like medium I played all the scenarios in my head and and when I was in it and it was the best scenario of them all where things were actually going quite easier after the first game mm. first game was was nerve wracking but then second game I won eleven three. And then the the third game, I was leading by a big margin. So I was thinking, wow, this is the best scenario. But I have okay. already trained for it. I've I've had it in my mind before, and uh, and it, it it was good because it helped me. Uh, it helped me regulate my emotions. Nice. I mean, if if I had if I had experienced this for the first time, I may have choked or may have you know panicked mm. or whatever. But I had it rehearsed in my head, and uh, it was just incredible when i when i managed to convert that match point and and win it eventually brilliant what a story uh, what a story yeah it's a very long one actually <laughs> not but, at all Tarek, listen yeah, sitting always... sitting yeah Tarek. <laughs> no i i mean i've i mean i always like to tell it because it, it it reminds me of the great emotions that i had uh, of, of one of my biggest achievements if not my biggest achievement in the sport mm. uh, and it is like a lot of a lot of players have certain goals and targets and this was my goal as a child and, and for me to achieve my childhood dream on that day was like and and looking at how hard how like how tough it was for me and how i struggled to get there i was i, I was i was super happy and relieved perfect well listen i yeah. you telling that story coming to like your facial expressions your body language um just the way you did it was amazing so i'm really feel honored that we sat for you know best part of maybe 20 minutes just talking about that and i think that's <laughs> phenomenal man really really well done and uh, yeah just feel great that we've actually got that kind of captured um so listen i'm going to slightly change tracks a little bit and i'm not going to kind of keep you like too long with this but i'd love to get into some some little tips and bits of advice for some of these mental strategies you know from you know the world open stuff to like some other amazing things you've been doing in your career um so yeah i was going to rattle through a few of these if, if that's okay with you um sure. so i think one of the first things i'd like to investigate with you and we might have already touched on some of these but dealing with losing how do you try to look at this in a mentally positive way because we have to deal with loss all the time what's your mm -hmm. version of mentally positive way of dealing with losing um i think it's a it's a process uh at like at the beginning I, I used to hate losing like everyone hates to lose and uh, and i'm no different i used to hate losing and at the beginning i used to deal with it in a very negative way i would i would spend like a week or 10 days or even two weeks you know depressed over what happened and thinking it's the end of the world and blah 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 
And obviously, when you when it happens a lot more frequently in your professional career, you start to adapt and you start to, you know, accept it as part of the process and and look at it from a, like as a learning experience more than anything else. Um, I mean, for the past uh, few years, I've been I've been taking those losses a lot better than I used to. Uh, Sometimes I even hop on squash TV right after, like after the loss by like 20 minutes, I go back to the room and I watch it again nice. uh, because it's still fresh in my in my mind. I remember how I felt while hitting the shot and why I made this choice and why this, why that. And it's, I feel it's, it's, it's really good to do that right after uh, you, you get a lot of info out of it and you, uh, you know, you put, you know, like, some points uh, you check some points over there and uh, mm-hmm. uh, to to talk to to talk about to your coach when you when you see them uh, and that's when you learn from from what happened you know i mean you, you see what happened you see what your opponent did you know sometimes it's not what you did wrong it's what your opponent did uh, to counter what you're doing or like you came up with a better plan and and you you notice it and then next time when it happens you know how to respond Mm. So you have to take it as a learning experience. You learn from the mistakes and, and you move on. Right. The best way to do it. Yep. Solid advice. And and yeah, it's it it is hard. Maybe it's something that when you become more mature, it gets a little bit easier. But yeah, um, yeah for, for the for the young listeners, hopefully that you've heard uh, from from a, a world champion here that it's all about the learning from the losing. So um when you're feeling mentally at your strongest. What do you think is going on in your mind? So, so when yeah, when you feel you're on point mentally, you're present, you're doing the right things. What 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 what's going on in Tarek's head there? Uh, I always I always think that when I am I'm, I'm always at my best when I'm thinking less. And by thinking less, it's not like I don't mean I'm not thinking. I'm just I have much less noise in the background. When you break things down to smaller pieces of information uh you you have your thoughts organized then you can you can play a lot better and and the way to do that is to focus only on on what you're doing on the present mm-hmm. on on the point you're playing right now and on the game time that's always i i mean if i go back in time and think about the times where i played really well it's always when i was not concerned about anything but the point that i'm playing right now and and following the game plan that i've set for the match to the letter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where, where it's not easy to achieve there are so many other factors that can you know uh, disturb you, you the nerves you can get a bit anxious and then you deviate from the from the game plan sometimes you lose confidence in the game plan if things are not going your way uh, but when you have a clear head and you know that this game plan although it's not working right now but it will pay dividends eventually then you can you can really focus on what you're doing and get the result uh, yeah. you want. Some sometimes you you have a clear mind. You you think you have a good game plan, but then you feel like it needs to change. Then when you have this clear mind, you can notice it, and then you can realize, okay, there's a, there are a few tweaks I need to, uh, you know, uh, insert in order to uh, to to get better results, and and it, it does happen. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's well, how I feel. Mm. Yeah. 
what what it sounds like you're describing um, when I've done research on the flow state and getting into the zone, that's what it is. It's it's there's no dwelling, there's no forecasting. It's it's timeless, like time almost doesn't exist. You're just you're purely focused on each and every next moment you can control. And yeah, you know, it's 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 not easy to get to that phase, but mm-hmm. that's that's obviously the the phase that all athletes are trying to get to. But then linked really closely to that, do you do any mental practices, rehearsals to work on that side? Like I'm talking away from the squash court now, you know. I personally like meditation, visualization, obviously like, like watching a lot of squash TV, uh, running the plays in your head. What's your version of mental practices that then allow you to play like that when, when it, when the stakes are high? Yeah, I think for me, what worked the best was the visualization. Uh, I would, I would love to like sit down, close my eyes a little bit and, 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 and see like, you know, get the whole thing in like the, the venue, the feeling of the venue, and 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 then even the if you can get the scent or the smell, it would like you try to put yourself in the setup in advance, and then you start imagining the rallies. How how do they pan out? If you've played the player before, then you obviously you know what's going to happen more or less, and you start imagining how you deal with certain situations. It doesn't have to be long. Like only a couple of minutes or like two, three minutes, you just get the idea in your head. Uh, you get the feelings, the nerves, everything. You just go through them right before. And then when you go on court again, you feel like you've already been there. So it gets you a bit uh, more relaxed. Mm. I feel. I've, always, I've obviously worked with, the, with, the, with mental coaches. Like I, I don't know this myself. I mean, I've, I've worked for years with, the, with, the, with a couple of mental coaches who gave me the you know the tips on on what to do and what not to do yeah uh, so visualization i found was the thing that worked for me the, the best mm. and and that's the beautiful thing about visualization because the brain can't tell the difference between the visualization and the real event the body knows it's not doing it but you're working on those neural mm-hmm. pathways that the brain's getting stronger but the biggest thing i love about visualization it feels familiar. Like when you arrive at that situation, you've been there 100, 200, yeah. 400 times before. And it's like, oh, this is familiar. It doesn't feel like a big foreign place. Like maybe we're, again, like what you were talking about with some of your world open experiences, like, okay, I've been here, it's familiar. And then you don't, you're not panicking in those moments. So yeah, yes. I think that's a, it's a real cool one. And this might be linked quite closely then Tarek, coping with nerves. You know, this is a huge topic. How do you like to try get yourself to be less nervous, but into that optimal zone to perform? Because we don't want to have no nerves because no nerves also means mm-hmm. we're not going to perform, but then too many, too much nerves, yeah. we get anxious. How do you balance your nerves out? Well, I'm not going to lie. I don't always get it right. Okay. Uh, I mean, I've, I've fallen into those mistakes, all of them. I've sometimes been too relaxed going into matches thinking, okay, no, this is good. Sometimes I convince myself, okay, this is good. I'm not really worried. I'm not, I'm not scared. I'm not nervous. It's, it's a good thing. I shouldn't worry. It'll be okay. And then I go on and it's, I'm fat. I'm, uh, you know, the nerves, a little bit of nerves, you know, gives you, you know, a little bit of extra kick in your engine. Uh, and when you're not feeling it at all, uh, you find yourself flat. And then you panic halfway through in the match when you realize things are going really bad. And, and, and it's up to you to, you know, get yourself out of trouble. Uh, so I always think it's good to have a little bit of, uh, of nerves uh, uh, going through your system, but you have to control it. If it's too much, uh, you have to find a way to take yourself, to, to take your mind off of it. Uh, sometimes when I'm really nervous on a day and I feel like 
it's too much. I I I put on I put something on the TV to distract myself. I I usually go for something you know light comedy just to, you know get a few laughs in and forget about the match a little bit. Uh, and then once the match approaches, I try to again make the game plan my only concern and nothing else. Uh, it's I th- I think if you if you focus on one thing, it 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 automatically takes your mind off of how scared you are or how nervous you are of the match. Mm, totally. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, the I found the thinking about the game plan it was the easiest thing to uh, to I mean you're obviously not gonna be in your optimum uh, state every time, but it's you have to just do your part and and hope that you get to at least 90% uh, into the good state. Nice. Yeah. No, really, really good tips there. Um, And then I'm thinking like, like you're in the match. How do you try and deal with obstacles, you know, such as bad calls, bad opponents, mm-hmm. bad conditions, etc. There's so many that are going to go on. What's your version of going, okay, you've got this obstacle, whatever it may be. How do you still play your best squash in that moment? Oh, well, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a it's a tough one because I've uh, yeah over the years I have sometimes fallen into this trap and 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 not deal with it the way I wanted to, um, but also it happens when it happens a lot you start learning from it and um, for me I feel sometimes I could like recently I could I could argue with the ref about the decision but because I want to make a clear point and then I, I I try to shift back to focusing on my game plan immediately and on the point I mean the strategy always goes back to thinking about the point you're playing and thinking about the game plan okay a call came in I'm not happy with the call I felt it was you know harsh or whatever I can let it out talk to the ref and tell him uh, what is this what, what are you doing or whatever but then as soon as as the serve is played out i have to shift back and focus on on what i'm doing immediately uh, if if you're not bothered and you feel like you can let it go it's better i feel it's it's best to just let things happen and and not get them affect you but if you feel like you need to let it out in my case, I always feel like I need to let it out. Then mm-hmm. I just do and then try to, you know, reset and, and refocus immediately. Mm-hmm. No, nice. Because I think, yeah, it depends on your character. Some people, you know, Jonathan Power, very famous that when he let it out, that's yeah. when he became quite good. <laughs> it was like, yeah. you actually didn't want him to explode. You like wanted him to bottle it up. <laughs> and so it's getting that balance with your character and your style. Um, so what is starting well in a match involved for you? So, you know, you, you know, you, you got your game plan, I think. But when you when you start well, any tips or advice for players that want to start well? Because I get asked this question quite a lot. How do I start the match well? What do I need to do at the beginning of my matches? What, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, uh, I need the advice myself because <laughs> <laughs> I usually don't start well. Okay. Uh, but in the patch when I was playing really well, I it was one thing that helped. I was starting well in most matches, which was giving me an edge. Um, a good warm up is, is is a must, like a, a good good warm up, and uh, and a bit of visualization would probably help as well. It would just get you ready right before. Uh, I also feel uh, that if you have a chance to hit the ball a little bit before, like if there are side courts, 
and you can hit the ball a little bit, it it, it might get you, you know, a bit sharper because, you know, the start is very tricky. We both are not, I mean, you get into it after a while, but at the beginning, we're both not playing at 100%. We're just feeling each other out, feeling the court, the conditions. So if you can get yourself more accustomed to the, to the conditions uh, right before, you might have that little edge that would give you the the lead at the beginning, uh, which would which might set the tone for the whole match. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously you have to know that if it doesn't go your way, it's not the end of the world. There is still room for you to reset and regroup and come back. Uh, but it's always obviously it's much better if you can if you can start from the very beginning as the better player. Yeah. yeah. No, again, solid advice here. Um, and then let's flip that then. So any tips for closing out a match? So say you're close to the end, but you're feeling a bit desperate. You know, I think we've all felt that where it's mm. like you feel the win there and all of a sudden mm. your, your rallies are getting a bit shorter. You're throwing the ball in a bit quicker. How do you try get yourself not to become too desperate when you can see the finish line? Uh, you need to have a bit of a clear mind, like leave just a bit of, you know, an opening uh, in in your head to notice that something's not right. Sometimes you feel like you're uh, like you're rushing into those errors and 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 winners. You wanna you wanna close it out quickly, but you don't really realize that you're doing that. Sometimes you're doing it out of desperation and you're not you're not paying attention that you've changed the way the way you play and 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 how you got there in the first place. So as soon as you realize, okay, I've made one or two mistakes. Okay, what's going on? You have to, you have to, you know, be that alert. Oh, what's going on? What's happening? Oh, I'm playing much shorter now. I'm going for shots that I wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't going for in the beginning. Okay, then I have to go back to how I used to play. Mm. And that's the 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 quicker you're onto this, I feel, uh, is 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 when you get the better results. Um, Sometimes when you're desperate and, and, and you just get sucked into the moment and you don't change anything, then you might actually end up losing. So I think the trick is to always be present with even with a fraction of your mind just to just to, to realize what's going on. Because sometimes the whole problem is not paying attention that you've changed the way you're playing. Mm. I mean, you, 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 you got until 10 playing some, somehow in a certain way. And then after 10, you changed it and you haven't gone back yet. You need to be very quick into going back to how you used to play. Mm. And that, That's and that uh, might... how I feel. Yeah, and that might link very closely to what you said about having that quiet and clear mind. You know, once that mind is clear, you, you can operate in that space, can't you? If your mind is full of, of, of what, you know, how the winner is going to feel or how bad the last point was it doesn't happen, does it? You know, it's like how you can have that clear mind. And then the second thing I think you mentioned, which I think is really massive is self-awareness. How aware of yourself can you be? You know, that that mm-hmm. comes with a maturity thing possibly as well. Sometimes younger players don't quite have mm-hmm. that self-awareness, but when you get mature, I think that helps a lot. Um, but listen, Tarek, in closing, it, this might be very hard to pick, right? Um, but what <laughs> message would you maybe like to leave the listeners when it comes to them being mentally the strongest and best they can be? You probably mentioned some things already, but as as a nice little closing message for listeners, what what, what do you think they can take away from this to be mentally strong? Um, I, I feel uh, you need to have confidence first and foremost in, in, in the work you've done. 
you need to know that you're more than uh, capable of, of, of achieving whatever it is you want to achieve. And you need to have a very clear, calm uh, mindset towards things uh, and, and make it as simple as possible. Don't think about too many things. If you worry too much about so many things going wrong or so many things going right and wrong, uh, then there is noise. And when there is noise, you can't have a clear mind and you can't think straight. So I think those who are mentally strong are the ones who are confident and 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 know what they they want and and are only breaking you know their 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 thoughts into small things and focus on one or two things. That's it. Mm, that really really sound advice. Um, Tarek, listen, you've been an absolute gent today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, that world open story was just brilliant and yeah. thank you so much <laughs> for your time no I, i'm sure when you listen back to this you'll you'll love listening back and that and share it with all your friends and family when it comes out um but tarek listen i wish you all the best in your north american tour really kind of watching you closely um obviously felt a bit closer to you recently with our, our work we did in the last kind of six yes. or seven weeks which has been brilliant it was a lot of fun as well yeah yeah that was really good fun um so yeah tarek listen thank you so much my man um just quick shout out where yeah. where should, i think you're pretty easy to find on twitter instagram what what's your mm -hmm. can you do you know your twitter handle off by heart do you know what it is yeah 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 it's uh, on on twitter it's tk moment mm -hmm. and uh, and 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 my instagram name is my name Tarek moment and there's an underscore in the end okay perfect great yeah. so i'm sure i'm sure people listening are already following you but those that aren't there it is go follow him on social media see how he's doing with his results Tarek, thank you so much for your time today have a great new year my and pleasure listen, Jesse. yeah let's speak soon yeah Thank you so much. I had, I had a great time. Thanks. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.